We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. the Oracle of Fantasy Labs and Rotoviz. Welcome to the Rotoviz Radio for August 15th, 2017. I'm filling in for the boys, Pat Crane and Jake Rickroad. This episode is already off to a fantastic start, by the way. I pronounced Jake's last name correctly, so that's something we have going for us. Pat and Jake are going to be back next week. Last week we had on Matt Kelly of Player Profiler. This week, I'm going to take a page out of the Matt Kelly playbook and spend some time just really talking to myself. I guess I'm going to be talking to you today as well, but really, this episode is a departure from the normal Road of His Radio episode. Uh, If you don't like it, that's no big deal. Again, Pat and Jake will be back next week, but let's see, this episode is coming out on Tuesday. On Sunday, I partook in a 14-team half PPR draft with 13 other hosts of football podcast hosted on blog talk radio the organizer of the league is jay soderberg aka pod vader of espn fame in the league we have joel from the fantasy insiders chris from FanRag sports doug from dfsr.com brandon from her fantasy football uh and brandon marianne lee by the way fan of the show uh if i said fan of the show although 
of course she's a fan of the show. It's Road of His Radio, but she's a friend of the show also, been a guest. She was filling in for her sister, Ashley, and uh, I actually was in a league with both of them a couple of years ago. Both of them are very strong competitors, and I believe Ashley was second place in the league last year. Uh, Pod Vader from the Next Fan Up podcast, of course, in the league. Uh, we had Matt from Fantasy Football Almost Daily, Jay from Razball. Uh, Jay and Razball are the defending champions of the league. It is uh, entering the third year in existence, and it's uh, transitioning from a 10-team standard league to a 14-team half PPR league. Uh, so Jay is in the league defending his title. We have Dale from Eat Sleep Fantasy. Matt from Football by Football. Uh, I, of course, was representing um, who else? We have Kevin from the Fantasy Football Guys. Todd from the Fantasy Sharks. Uh, Pyromaniac.com was represented. And we had Pro Football Weekly represented. So again, all of those uh, all those shows are housed on Blog Talk Radio. But so we're drafting... We all jumped on a call, and Jay uh, recorded it, and he would talk with us while we were drafting. I think it was a you know strategic way of trying to distract us while we were making our picks. But anyway, the bulk of this episode uh, consists of excerpts from the draft, and specifically the points in the draft when I'm talking to Jay about picks that I made. If you want to hear the entire draft um, for the people who are like the truly degenerate amongst you. Uh, Jay will be uh, hosting that. I should probably call him Pod Vader, you know, his his given name. Uh, Pod Vader will be hosting that on his podcast, Next Fan Up. Uh, So you can check that out if you want. But again, this episode, primarily going to be excerpts from the the larger episode that Pod will be uh, airing in, I guess, in a couple of days or so. Uh, so anyway, but then after that, I'm going to close the show by talking a little bit about the draft, the team I ended up with, my strategy during the draft, the ways in which I attempted and probably failed to be Rotovizzi, etc. So uh, anyway, that's what's happening in this episode. Before that, however, what happens in every episode, I should remind you that right now you can get a 30% discount to a special NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. With that pass, you get unlimited access to all of Rotoviz's premium NFL content, and your subscription supports the pod. Also, you can support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz radio channel on iTunes. If you do that, you will be eligible to compete against some Rotoviz podcasters and writers in a $35 entry best ball league. Hosted by our friends at the FFPC, the winner of each league will receive a year-long road of his pass on top of the cash prize. So go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then email us at roadofhisradio at gmail.com to let us know that you want to be in the league, and we will get that set up. Speaking of the FFPC, who are going tenure strong as the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football, I should mention that the FFPC has some great best ball leagues. You can compete in those even if you aren't competing against other Rotoviz subscribers, and Rotoviz podcasters and writers. Uh, let me talk about the FFPC Best Ball Leagues. The popular FFPC Draft Experts Leagues, they start at just $35. They go up to $1,255, sorry, $50 for the high rollers in the crowd. Uh, the drafts are filling fast, so you won't have to wait long for your league to fill. As if that's not enough, the FFPC has introduced a brand new concept to season-long Double Up Best Ball Leagues, 
with 100% payout. That is right, 100% payout. If you draft in a $35 or $250 entry FFPC Draft Experts League, and if you finish in the top half, so with a top six team, you will double your entry fee next year. So the double up leagues are the best deal in fantasy. Get on them and start drafting right away. Just stop listening to this podcast and start drafting in one of these leagues. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com. Join your fellow players today at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Okay, with that, let's uh, let's get to the Podvader-hosted 14-team Blog Talk Radio Fantasy Football Podcast 2017 Draft. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the third annual... Blog Talk Radio Fantasy Football Expert League Draft. And I probably threw in extra words, but who cares? That's what we are. That's what we do. And uh, as I mentioned, this is the third time that we have done this, and we have grown. We started with uh, standard scoring 10 teams. We're now a 14-team league with a half point per reception, uh, and we're very excited to bring this to you. Uh, just to set uh, a little bit or, or reset a little bit from last year, uh, Jay from Rasball is the defending champion, and he is back uh, in this particular draft. Uh, I have been a part of this draft, obviously, for three years. I don't think if I was if I wasn't a part of this, I don't think this would be happening, most likely. But uh, I'm very glad to bring uh, 13 other shows on Blog Talk Radio here all with fantasy football expertise, all here to break it down and share with you exactly the way that we're going to draft. 14-team snake draft, half point per reception. Otherwise, everything else is standard. We're playing on ESPN.com. I'll have a link to our uh, league so you can follow along in the public sense, and I'm sure many of the folks here who have websites will have that link on their website so that you can follow along all season long. Next up, uh, with the 10th pick in the first round, we have Matt Friedman from Rotoviz. And uh, it says here that your team name is the Oracle's Audibles, Matt. Where's that? Where's the name of that come from? Oh, it's from uh, The League, the, uh, you know, the TV show about fantasy sports. In the pilot episode years ago, there was this kid named Matt Friedman who you know, is like a, an 11-year-old kid who's obsessed with fantasy sports. And, uh, you know, no wife, no kids, just pure football knowledge. And that was basically me, even though I was like in my 20s. So uh, I took the Oracle as my Twitter handle. Uh, You went with A.J. Green, the wide receiver from Cincinnati. Again, you can't have a bad pick in the first round. Well, you could, but no one has so far. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where I haven't uh, been picking at this position in drafts. And so uh, A.J. Green is the first uh, this is the first time I've had him in a draft. So happy to get him. Uh, You know, he's a a perennial, you know, twelve hundred yard guy. Uh, I think there were a lot of things that worked against the Bengals last year that uh, won't be won't be problems this year. So uh, I'm excited to see how he does. All right. Well, we'll definitely come back around and we'll we'll talk some more as the draft is continuing. But thanks for joining and welcome to the Blog Talk Radio team. All right. Thanks for having me. Folks, I'm going to run through the list of, of picks and I'll stop when I find an interesting one. And it's not going to take me all of that long. 
Uh, Des Bryant uh, ends up going to D-Rex, a pyromaniac. Ty Hilton uh, goes to the Fantasy Sharks. Amari Cooper ends up on the Fantasy Football Guys. And here's where I'm going to stop at number 19, and not just because uh, Matt Friedman uh, ended up picking a New England Patriot, but because he took the tight end, Rob Gronkowski. So my question to you, Matt, is do you think this might be a little early for Gronkowski? I don't know. When Gronk is healthy, so I guess here's my approach to the league. If you're not first, you're last. You know what I mean? So I'm basically betting slash hoping that Gronk has a fully healthy 16-game season. That might be unlikely, but if it happens, I think he's a total smash at that draft position. I mean, it's definitely one of those when he's healthy. And if you don't mind, I'm going to bring in Matt Chatham, who is a resident Patriot expert. Uh, Matt, how has Gronk looked in camp? I know reports are that he's extremely healthy and he's working with Brady's guy. But I mean, can we trust Gronk is going to stay healthy all season? I think you can for this reason, Jay. I mean, one of the things that I think they've learned, you know, clearly that they've gone through this this cycle a few times with him now where the goal has changed a little bit. It's not, you know, the Gronk offense where he's got to go out there and, you know, be like an 85, 90 to 90% rep guy. Uh, I mean, last year when Martellus Bennett signed, I think a lot of the thought around here was like, hey, now this is a two tight end offense have those guys on the field together from, you know, from, from jump. And that's going to be the sort of Super Bowl chemistry makeup kind of thing with this team. I think things have changed now a little bit. And Gronk is, is more, uh, he looks exceptional. His body looks great as far as, you know, bend. That's the first thing I look for with a guy who's had multiple lower body injuries, surgeries. He's still, he, he doesn't have a gait change. He doesn't move differently. He's, he's still got that, you know, sort of bounce to his step. He still separates like no one else in the league. First two strides out of a break, he's open. Doesn't matter who was on him. We've, we've watched the joint practices against some of the better coverage guys the Patriots have in practice day in, day out. He's he's the same guy, but I think the Dwayne Allen thing is is unique here uh, in that, it, to me, it's not, it's not trying to replicate what they were doing with Martellus last year. It's more having a guy that can spell Gronk and, and they'll play more 11, you know, one tight end on the field, three and, and sometimes four wide receiver sets. So that changes it to me. It's like, okay, Gronk can be a 60% snap count guy and just get him to the playoffs, 65%. But he can, he can, he can have two touchdowns and, and 10 catches and, and still only play 40 plays, you know. He's that kind of guy. So I just think the approach should change a little bit. If you've, you've drafted him, you should be happy. It'll be a nice season. But it, it, it might not be a high-touch year. You know, it might not be expecting 10 catches out of him every week. But he's going to be productive when it's in his hand, and I think they just know how to manage him a little better now. All right, Matt, that should make you feel a little bit more comfortable. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a total gamble, but uh, I'm willing to gamble on high-end talent. And if Gronk is healthy, I think he's clearly the most dominant tight end. And uh, I think getting those extra points at that position is worth it. Do you think he's that much ahead, that much more ahead of Travis Kelsey, for instance? I do. Uh, Kelsey, he has the edge in yardage accumulation, but I think Gronk... In that offense, and he's such a red zone threat, he definitely has the edge when it comes to touchdowns. So that is really what I'm banking on. Uh, By the way, I'm giving you all this trouble because I'm the guy who's drafted Gronk in the first round in previous seasons. Just wasn't going to do it this time around. Uh, Not a pick number five. Does anyone like their team? No. I really don't like mine. (laughs) 
Bilal Powell, the New York Jets running back, goes to Jay at Razball. Uh, my mantra this year, uh, Matt Harrison from Fantasy Football Almost Daily, uh, is friends don't let friends draft New York Jets. Uh, so I do feel like this was uh, not what Jay from Razball should have done. Uh, Eddie Lacy, uh, the right guard, I'm sorry, the running back for the Seattle Seahawks goes to the keepers. Uh, all right. Frank Gore goes to the Oracle. Uh, let's start. Let's stop there, Matt. Uh, talk to me about Frank Gore, especially since he was brought up as uh, an option over Eddie Lacy. Yeah, it's not as if I'm actually in love with Frank Gore. I'm kind of repulsed by having him on my team, but uh, yeah, he's consistent. And the one thing that you do have to like is that the last two years in Indianapolis, he has been used pretty heavily as a pass catcher. So, uh, you know, you look at a guy who's around 1,200 yards per year, 30 receptions, you know, five to eight-ish touchdowns. Uh, you know, it's not bad for having as the RB2, and uh, especially because I'm kind of leveraging with going heavy on uh, on tight ends and heavy on wide receivers. I like having Gore as something of a solid play and then hoping that I can be able to find some running backs later in the draft. Uh, Matt, the Oracle, Tyler Eifert. There seems to be a little bit of a run on tight end at this point. Yeah, so that's uh, just kind of leveraging a little bit. I feel that uh, Eifert is a top five tight end when he's healthy. I think within the last three years or so out of tight ends, he's second in touchdowns, and that's you know missing time. So I like having him as a guy who could potentially back up Gronk or that I could use as a trade piece if I need to. There's definitely a lot of talk of trade. So I think there's going to be more trades this year than usual, which I kind of like as well. Mm. Uh, I don't know about all this hype over these rookie quarterbacks. Cause I remember going into the draft, these rookie quarterbacks were all getting slammed as being horrible, pro- probably one of the worst quarterback classes. And then they go out and they do okay in preseason game one. Uh, Matt Chatham, as a former player, tell me a little bit about preseason game one and how important it is for these rookie quarterbacks. Well, it's changed from when I played, Jay. I, I, I've been noticing, and again, maybe it's just more the, the bubble I'm in here with New England, but they've really been pushing away from even using one for veteran players. So it's a huge uh, you know, week one opportunity for young guys. Whereas it used to be more expect... Uh, second half of the second game and virtually all of the fourth, maybe you'll get some kibbles and bits in a third first game. Youngest guys, unless you're a top pick or two, don't see a lot of that game, but it's kind of on its head. So he, he coach Belichick has essentially turned number one into his, <laughs> into his, his rookie scrimmage almost. Right. So uh, again, with, with the particular situation here, you've got two young guys with the, with Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo. So you get to see the young guys really go out there and, and get their reps up. I, I'm thinking if I'm looking at other places, though, it's probably the most dangerous game to read anything into a first uh, into a young quarterback because there's going to be that handful out there that go and put up a stat line or whatever. But the defenses couldn't be any stupid, simple, stupid, simple. Uh, it's like it's like 
you know, you got three or four coverages. There's like one pressure in your your defensive package for the week. They're just dumbed down because they don't want errors and they don't want to throw throw a bunch of exotic fronts or anything out there. So the quarterback's going to see as easiest version of, of football as he ever will see on week one of a preseason. So whatever some young quarterback does in the first week, it's 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 probably the least important thing you'll see from him. Wait till they start doing things that are a little more NFL like. And a lot of times the first first and even second game of the preseason isn't much of that. So you, you can find out if he can be accurate. You know, if a guy's wide open, if he can read a real basic cover two or a super basic cover four or even more basic, just man to man and try to find the one open guy and put it on him. But man, for quarterbacks, it, it, the real coverages come later and when they get exotic and they start to they start disguise and that's when you find out if they can play jordan matthews now with the buffalo bills goes to the oracle uh why don't we take a moment to talk about that matt uh jordan matthews now switching teams i really like that landing situation for jordan matthews Primarily because uh, Rick Dennison, the new offensive coordinator, has a history of really using those big bodied athletic type of receivers. And, uh, you know, there might be people who think that Matthews isn't all that athletic and maybe he doesn't display it on the field. But at least in his his combine workouts, he displayed good athleticism. He's a big bodied guy. And uh, I think he's going to be used in a variety of ways. I think they're going to use him inside when Anquan Bolden isn't playing. I think they're going to use him outside. I think he's going to get a lot of targets. So happy to get him where I did. At pick number 129, Todd, uh, you went with the first defense off the board, the Broncos D. Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of thinking that these guys are going to want to prove that last year was uh, an aberration. You know, the fact that they did playoffs, I think they want to come out and prove that, yes, they are still a great defense. They've got a lot of great talent on that offensive line. Obviously, the, the defensive backfield amongst the best in, in, in the NFL, if not the best. I think they come out and try and prove themselves in a big way this year. The next pick is Philip Rivers to Kevin of the Fantasy Football Guys. Robbie Anderson, New York Jets wide receiver to the Oracle. Matt, I'm assuming this pick is uh, because somebody's got to catch balls uh, in the Jets offense. Yes, uh, someone is going to have to catch the ball. But uh, in addition, I do like Anderson as a talent. I know that he was undrafted last year, but at Temple, he had uh, when he was healthy, he had one very good season. And then he has uh, I wish he were thicker. You know, I wish he were like six, three and you know, 220 as opposed to six, three and two oh five. But, uh, you know, he does have good height and he has very good speed for his height. So he ran a 4.3840 in his uh, pre-draft workouts. So he can uh, he can go deep and get the ball. I think McCown is the type of guy who does like to throw deep. They're going to have to throw a lot and they're going to have to throw to someone. And Anderson is really the only player on the team who has, uh, you know, some sort of continuity with what they were doing last year. Uh, Matt from Fantasy Football Almost Daily, I think this right now would be considered the pick of the draft. Ben Roethlisberger going at 135. Two other Steelers went in the top 10 uh, or top 14 at least. Somebody's going to be responsible for getting them the ball, and it's Ben Roethlisberger. We've been saying for a long time at uh, Fantasy Football Almost Daily, if you're the last guy in your league to take a quarterback, you're doing it right, especially in a one-quarterback league. The last quarterback off the board is Ben Roethlisberger or 
Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston or Matthew Stafford, uh, you're, you're still in great shape if you're taking your starting quarterback as the last one off the board and, and Roethlisberger's there late. And it's like, all right, it's time to do that. Joel Hennard goes with the Patriots defense at 140. Curse you, Joel. Uh, but then uh, takes the first kicker off the board at 141. Anybody want to defend a kicker pick this early in the draft? No. No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, way too early to be taking a pick, a kicker, especially Justin Tucker. I mean, I know he's accurate and all, but I don't know if Baltimore is exactly going to get you the most points out of the kicker position. We'll see. One never knows. That's why you don't take a kicker this early. Next pick is DeAndre Washington, the Oakland running back. Uh, Matt, the Oracle, uh, is this the guy that uh, I'm going to need to talk to you about uh, to replace Beast Mode? Uh, That would be the guy, except I'm hoping that he's going to be one of my starters in week three. Hmm. Well, Well, I guess we'll have to see about that. We'll have to see. No, it's, you know, it's one of those situations where uh, I'm, you know, I'm not trusting Marshawn Lynch. He's obviously talented. uh, I think a borderline hall of famer. And uh, you know, there is some evidence that uh, guys of that caliber who have taken a year off, it's happened before uh, Regan's with the Redskins in the eighties, you know, he sat out a year, came back, had an MVP caliber season, multiple seasons after that. Adrian Peterson did it. It is possible that Marshawn Lynch could be the old beast mode. But, uh, you know, I think it's pretty it's pretty safe to take a guy like DeAndre Washington in the later rounds, uh, just in case for some reason Marshawn Lynch isn't the old Marshawn Lynch of, uh, of previous years. And, you know, DeAndre Washington, I think he's going to have a built in role anyway as a receiver. And I think he's better as a runner than people give him credit for. Kenny Colliday uh, goes to Matt at the Oracle uh, having a big, he had a big day today. Yeah. And uh, you know, part of this was maybe uh, anticipation that someone else would want to draft him because of the big day, but I've been on him for a long time. He was a fantastic producer in college. I think he has an opportunity to emerge as a red zone threat with Detroit and you know, I like Golden Tate and I like Marvin Jones, but I'm not sold on them as being number one type of caliber receivers. And I think Galladay does have that potential. And, uh, you know, he's a rookie, so it's unlikely that he's going to do much. But there is that potential that he could be big. And uh, I like betting on guys who have good college production, great size, great athleticism and uh, a quarterback who likes to throw the ball. Curtis Samuel, the Carolina wide receiver, goes to Kevin and the fantasy football guys. Is this uh, basically we're all drafting upside at this point, right, Kevin? Yeah, it's just upside. I mean, you know, it it was between him and Tyler Lockett. And, you know, Lyle asked me, you know, who has the most upside? It's got to be Samuel between those two. We've seen Lockett not do a lot for a couple of years, but I think Samuel has an opportunity to carve a little uh, niche there in in the, the Panthers offense. Yeah, actually, I really like that pick. And uh, for me, I was actually going back and forth between whether I wanted uh, Galladay, uh, Galladay or Samuel. Uh, you know, playing in the Urban Meyer offense, uh, he really was, Curtis Samuel really was a Percy Harvin type of player. Uh, but on top of that, he has Percy Harvin type of athleticism, similar body type, uh, similar speed, good agility. I really like that pick. 
Matt Chatham, this is where I want to bring you in. Uh, you talked about earlier about the Patriot running back situation. I am very afraid of this pick. I took Dion Lewis. Mm-hmm. I don't think Dion. I think Dion is the one that's on the outs in this crowded backfield that the Patriots currently have. Uh, it's it's a really interesting topic, Jay, and I, I think I think you're safe taking him that late because I think he's going to have a role. Uh, I'm just not certain. Here's the thing that'll affect it, and you know, you and I will both be watching this as this the four preseason games go away. But I'm I'm a little less hesitant to think they keep a third tight end. Uh, as good as the the Hollister kid did the other day, uh, you know, he might be a stash or an IR. Or, you know, get the Foxborough flu or whatever. But the reason I think that matters is because they are so freaking loaded at backs. Uh, but Dion looks healthy and Dion looks the back to where he can be a game changer in my view. Looks like the old the old guy from from you know before the knee injury. And I, you know, this is the year after you come back and you kind of expect more out of him. We had to interview he he was one of the, the guys given to us for for pregame interviews last week. And dude is is as focused as I've been around him, he seems serious, a little chip, a little chippy in, in part because, you know, there's all those new guys that have been signed around him, but this guy was one of the most electric guys in the NFL just, to, you know, a couple of years ago. And then he had the knee injury. So, and he, he, he spoke of, of being, uh, you know, basically weak and knowing he was weak and wanting to just plan it all year last year and knowing it wouldn't be his full deal. But just the competitiveness, he wanted to be out there. But now, to a man, to even talking to some of the coaches, like he's back. Like this is, he's back to who you remember. So I think the more the challenge there, if you've got him on the back of your roster, is figuring out the games where he's going to get used. Uh, Burkhead's the the curveball, and you know he went off the board even earlier. And you know I know he's going to have a special teams role, so you kind of sort of figure he'll be up. But then it becomes well, Gillisley has this lingering hammy. Is he involved? Is, you know, who, who's the who's the the horse? And, and you don't know it. So it's going to be they're going to be a frustrating team to, to kind of watch. I've got James. You've got somebody's got Dion. You've got Dion. And I, I think someone's going to be used quite a bit. It's just it's just a little uncertain who. Uh, and Brandon Bolden, we mentioned him too. We just saw that the other night. He he was he, he got a ton of touches and they love him uh as a special teams guy who can come in and pass protect and catch a ball or two in the screen game and be productive too. So it's a team that's got a lot of backs and I think they might keep all of them. I mean as best they can. It just hmm. it cuts down on the amount of tight ends you can keep. I think that's that's probably your your most direct correlation and how the roster would swing. I would say the one thing for Dion that could save him uh, and I and I asked you this on Twitter uh, about the kick returner uh, yep. that the Patriots have. Dion does return kicks, so that could be perhaps the way that he saves his role on the team. And his other competition, presumably at that position, would be uh, the, the 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 guy who struggled. We all know that the the cornerback Cyrus Jones from from Alabama, and he he's trying to find himself a role. And the kick return didn't go well the other night. In addition to the other stuff with defense and a couple of blown coverages, so uh, that inadvertently helps Dion. To be honest, you know they they need a stable guy back there and somebody that can bring some electric plays. And if it's not going to be the second round corner that you stick around for that cause it opens the door and I that that could be a role he'd do really well Carson Palmer nice pick here for Matt the Oracle at 215 that's a nice that is a nice pick uh this late in the draft here Matt yeah so I was definitely waiting on quarterbacks in full disclosure I was uh doing another draft while we were doing this one so I missed <laughs> um 
the uh, the pick in the uh, 14th and 15th round. And so I was planning on taking Palmer earlier, uh, you know, because I'm without a quarterback and accidentally auto-drafted a, a kicker and a defense. So I thought I was pretty lucky to get Carson Palmer as my starter in the last round. Mm. Uh, I didn't realize at this point you were without a quarterback. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that is some very good luck for you. Brandon McManus, the Denver kicker, goes to... Brandon Williams, what a surprise. Her fantasy football going with a Bronco. Uh, if it's not a Bronco or a Brown, I mean, what other team is there for you, Brandon? I mean, really, really. Actually, it is our, our kind of like um, fun tip that we always say on her fantasy football is that um, if we, we are anti being homers like you, Jay. So we say to take it all out, but if you're going to be a homer at all, it should be your kicker. And for our, for us, our kicker can kick 75-yard field goals. So that works out. Yeah, that, that is true. Uh, and you do get extra points, but not at 75. That's 50-plus. So anyway, uh, Ravens counts. Do, counts. <laughs> it does. It does. And Mr. Irrelevant is Rain Gal- Wayne Gallman, the running back for the New York Giants, to Joel Hennard. At least he made him a real Mr. Irrelevant. That's that was nice of Joel. Uh all right. Well, uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone uh that has listened to the show. I want to th- say thank you to all of the podcasters participating in this third annual fantasy football expert league. This is a a real joy, and I, I love doing this. And we'll, of course, feature all of these podcasts at blogtalkradio.com. You can listen to any of these podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn or AHA Radio. The best part about TuneIn, ladies and gentlemen, is if you have one of those uh, Amazon Alexas, all you need to do is say, Alexa, play the latest episode of insert the name of your favorite podcast there and uh, alexa is going to play your podcast as long as it's on tune in radio so uh enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts in that way uh i am going to step out uh this is the point where all of the folks that are participating will say a few words to their audiences uh but i say thank you to everyone and with that there you have it All right, you just listened to excerpts from the draft I did on Sunday night with Pod Vader and 12 other hosts from podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, I want to look a little bit at the draft and uh, specifically, the, oh, actually, before I look at my team, I just want to say, uh, so I thought there were some really interesting things in there, uh, specifically from Matt Chatham talking about things with the Patriots, Matt Chatham, a former NFL player who played with the Patriots, so he has some inside knowledge there. I thought what he had to say about preseason games and how the Patriots approach those games, and then also um, about what might be happening with their running back group, I thought that information was really insightful, so I wanted to include it. But talking specifically about this draft, uh, the strategy that I had going into it uh, was that I wanted to wait, obviously, on quarterback and on running back, and so attack where I could the wide receiver and tight end positions. So I went with A.J. Green at 10. Uh, You know, feel solid about that pick. Um, I thought it was a little bit too early to be taking Jordy Nelson. 
you know, same with Des Bryant and T.Y. Hilton and Amari Cooper. But of course, um, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans, and Julio Jones were already off the board. So uh, I'm, I'm fine with A.J. Green at 10. I think it also would have been a little too early to take a running back like Jordan Howard. So I'm, I'm good with where uh, I landed. The next round uh, at 19, I went with Rob Gronkowski. I was interested in potentially um, going with Ezekiel Elliott uh, in order to be, I wouldn't say contrarian, but to, to benefit in the event that Zeke does see a full 16-game season. Uh, ultimately, I decided to go with Gronk because I know that Gronk is healthy, presumably, and uh, if he stays healthy and plays a 16-game season, I think he is sort of Zeke-esque in his ability to dominate his position. So uh, I went with what I felt was a high-leverage move going with Gronkowski there, Plus, uh, I wasn't really in love with some of the other players at the spot. Um, Mike Thomas, uh, I like him, but I think there is risk there that people aren't acknowledging. Lamar Miller, I think there's downside. Doug Baldwin, uh, Brandon Cooks. I like, I like those players in theory, but I didn't feel I could take them above Rob Gronkowski. So I feel good starting the draft off with those players. In round three, uh, I think stuff thinned out pretty quickly. So Keenan Allen was gone, and it, it thinned out because you know, it's a 14-team draft, but Keenan Allen was gone, Hopkins was gone, uh, Crowell was gone, Terrell Pryor, a guy I like, was gone, Allen Robinson was gone. Uh, so I went with Alshon Jeffrey, who I think is, you know, at that point was one of the few remaining big-bodied receivers who has, you know, a a track record of multiple years of production. And uh, even with the time that he's missed the last two seasons, if you still look at his non-rookie years, he's averaged over a thousand yards per year. Um, and if you just look on a per game basis, he's still very much been the same player over the last two years that he was in his second and third seasons. So if he can stay healthy, uh, if they can scheme the ball to him, and I don't even think they need to scheme you know, scheme the ball to him. I think they just have to make a commitment not to ignore him in Philadelphia. But if they just treat him like the Alshon Jeffrey of Chicago and he's able to stay healthy, I think he could have a pretty big season. So I'm, you know, I'm satisfied with him in the third round. Um, in the fourth round, by that point, a lot of running backs were gone. Uh, even Marshawn Lynch was gone. Mark Ingram was gone. I was hoping to be able to get Joe Mixon at pick 47, he went at pick 46, and I feel like I got sniped like that a few times. Uh, there really were very few players left, so I went with Carlos Hyde as my first running back. Uh, I'm satisfied getting him at pick 47. I think that's pretty decent value. I think there's some uncertainty about how he's going to be used in San Francisco, and uh, I don't mind trying to leverage uncertainty I think he could fit actually pretty well in the Shanahan zone scheme. If they drop him or trade him or whatever, I still think he will end up being a serviceable a serviceable back with some other team. So uh, I'm fine with him there. In the fifth round, um, a lot of players I would have had an interest in were already off the board. Uh, Tyree Kill, who I really like a lot. You heard me talk about. Actually, no, I, I didn't talk about him. Uh 
in the uh, in in what you heard, but I I do like him quite a bit. I think he uh, from college has a Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel type of profile, um, but uh, has superior athleticism and uh, could be used in a superior way. Larry Fitzgerald was gone. Spencer Ware was gone. Emmanuel Sanders, Willie Sneed, Mike Gillisley, Sammy Watkins, Jamison Crowder, all of them went off the board before I picked at 66. Um, at this point, I felt there were very few serviceable running backs left, so I went with Frank Gore. Not thrilled about it, but at the same time, it is hard to be disappointed with a guy who uh, you know, routinely is getting somewhere between 11 and 1300 yards, uh, you know, 30 to 40 receptions, five to eight touchdowns. Given that later in the draft, I knew I was going to be going uh, wide receiver very routinely. I wanted at least to try to get some stability. So I wouldn't have just a gaping hole at my uh, second running back position. So, you know, we'll see if Frank Gore can hold up, but I, I feel okay about that. Uh, in round six, uh, at pick 75, I went with Tyler Eifert, who I absolutely love. Uh, a big red zone target, a full season of healthy Tyler Eifert. He has, I believe, 18 touchdowns receiving in his last 19 healthy games. That is unbelievable, but he has been targeted so consistently in the red zone by Dalton and often at the expense of A.J. Green, which is one reason why I would be a little bit hesitant about Green as my first-round pick. But Eifert has been targeted so heavily in the red zone that even if he doesn't keep up his, I think it's an untenable touchdown pace, he will still be a, a touchdown deity, one hopes, in this upcoming season. So uh, I liked having Eifert potentially as a hedge on Gronk and also as a hedge on Green. Uh, I think if I have Eifert in the starting lineup and Green doesn't get a touchdown, the chances are that Eifert will. If Eifert doesn't, Green could get the touchdown. So I'm fine with uh, Eifert in, in round six. I actually, I really like him. I think he has top five, maybe even top three tight end upside this year. It wouldn't be surprising, honestly, if he led the league in touchdowns. That's how highly I think of him. In round seven, we start getting to the point of, uh, you know, at that point we're around like pick 80 to pick, uh, so pick 85 to pick 98. Um, I think that's where you start either kind of drafting for depth or kind of in kind of going to get your guys. I was hoping that Cam Meredith was going to fall in round seven. I like him a lot. Um, I don't like his quarterback situation, but I don't know if his quarterback situation really could be any worse than it was last year when he had Cutler and Brian Hoyer and Matt Barkley throwing to him. Uh, people have talked about him having to move to the uh, the outside now that Marcus Wheaton is with the team uh, or uh, Kendall Wright is with the team. Whoever ends up being the slot receiver, the idea is that Cameron Meredith probably won't be the predominant slot receiver this year. I think it is possible that he will be uh, a guy who moves into the slot on occasion uh, and still plays outside. The thing is, last year he he did play inside and outside. He had good games predominantly as a slot receiver and then predominantly as an outside receiver. Basically, whenever he wasn't playing with Cutler, he was having a good game. So I think there's a lot to be happy about with Cam Meredith. Of course, I didn't get him. Uh, he went to Team Williams, uh, Brandon. I think 
you know, smartly drafted Cam Meredith there. Uh, however, I was still happy to get Jordan Matthews at pick 94. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I like Matthews quite a bit. It's unfortunate that he has the injury now to the sternum, so he's week to week. But it, it sounds like it's only week to week. Uh, so hopefully he is able to, uh, you know, come back for week one. If he's not ready by week one, he can still return you know, fairly early in the season, but I think he will be a target monster there because that is traditionally what offensive coordinator Rick Dennison has done going from Javon Walker to Brandon Marshall, uh, you know, in the early days, I guess like a decade ago in Denver and then uh, going to Houston with uh, Andre Johnson and then back to Denver with Demarius Thomas. Dennison has just peppered his big-bodied receivers with targets all over the field. I think that is how Jordan Matthews is intended to be used. Uh, So I think he has a lot of upside, top 12 upside at his position when he's healthy. Uh, Round eight, I went with John Brown. Um, I love John Brown. (laughs) I think he does have wide receiver one type of potential if he is able to stay healthy. I know that's a big question mark. Uh, As I'm recording this, we get news that he has returned to practice. Brown last season was plagued by soft tissue, uh, soft tissue issues, hamstring issues. We will see if he is able to stay healthy this season. I kind of doubt it, but I don't mind taking a shot on upside at pick 103, especially with a guy who is just a year removed from a thousand yard season. Um, I, I do like his talent there. So I was happy to get him at one Oh three, um, one twenty two uh, in round nine, Corey Davis, happy with that pick. Uh, Davis has based on what he did in college, based on his size, based on his draft position. I think he has top 20 wide receiver type of potential right away. Uh, we will have to see if the Titans decide to shift to more of a pass-heavy offense, but uh, we don't know what Corey Davis's athleticism is like. Um, you know, he didn't participate in the combine. Uh, some people have looked at college film and kind of you know conjectured from there, but a great player in college, uh, you know, sufficient size. I think he does have potential to be a wide receiver one at least a wide receiver one in that offense sooner rather than later. So I'm willing to take a shot on a guy with that upside. Uh, The theme so far of these picks has been upside. So Tyler Eifert, I like his upside. The same with Jordan Matthews, John Brown, and Corey Davis. And I think you see that (laughs) definitely accentuated with my round 10 pick at 131, Robbie Anderson. And uh, I kind of can't believe that I drafted Robbie Anderson. Uh, At the same time, he's a a guy that I had on my dynasty team last year. I like him this year, uh, especially now that Quincy Inunua has uh, been declared out for the season. (laughs) There's no Brandon Marshall, no Eric Decker. They might not even have a quarterback, but someone's going to have to throw the ball. And Robbie Anderson is more than capable of catching the ball. I don't know how he's going to perform as a red zone threat. So I could see Austin Safarian Jenkins getting a good deal of the touchdowns. Uh, 
however many touchdowns there are in that offense. Probably there aren't going to be many. But uh, the touchdowns that come through the air, I'm not sure how Robbie Anderson is going to do in that arena. He also might not get a lot of receptions, but I think there will be games, chunk games, where he gets a number of yards uh, and maybe a long touchdown. But, you know, he's a, a big guy, tall guy, fantastic speed for his size, and they're going to have to throw to someone. So I'm definitely happy to have him because I do think he has the upside that you desire from someone, you know, in a 14-team league that you're picking uh, in the 10th round. I went with another, what I'm considering upside pick in round 11 at 150, Josh Doxson. Um, Yeah, thrilled to get him there. You know, he had a great career at TCU. He has good height. Um, you know, decent size for his height, you know, decent athleticism for his height, a first round selection, basically had to take something of a red shirt year last year, didn't see much action because of injuries, but you know, he's on a team that now has a huge vacuum in targets. Deshaun Jackson is gone. Pierre Garçon is gone. Both of those guys had a lot of targets. They had yards last year. Terrell Pryor is coming in, and Jamison Crowder, I'm assuming, will continue to develop and will get some of those targets that otherwise would have gone to the departed receivers. But Doxson, I think, has an opportunity. If Terrell Pryor gets injured, if Terrell Pryor underperforms, uh, if he's exposed as you know something of a one-year wonder, it is possible that Doxson could come in uh, and, you know, have some success in that offense. So I like taking the upside shot on him there. Now at round 12, uh, I realized I, I needed to start looking at uh, the running back position a little bit more intently, but there was a guy throughout the whole draft that I had my eye on and uh, I got him at pick 159, DeAndre Washington. Uh, he is a bet that Marshawn Lynch will not be the Marshawn Lynch of the previous Seattle seasons. So uh, I'm happy with DeAndre Washington. He was a productive player at um, at Texas Tech in college, a good receiver, a good runner. Uh, he has good athleticism. Uh, if you look at player profiler, the player to whom he is most comparable is actually Devontae Freeman. Uh, DeAndre Washington flashed at points as a rookie, I feel very lucky to get him at 159, considering that the uh, the only player on the depth chart in front of him is a 32-year-old running back who didn't play at all last year, and the year before that uh, was very disappointing. So, happy with DeAndre Washington. I think he was a zero RB pick. Uh, he has a pass-catching role in that offense right away. Uh, Jalen Richard could easily steal some touches, which will be frustrating. But if Marshawn Lynch underperforms or gets injured, both of those things are possible given the position he plays and the age at which he's playing and his circumstances with not having played last year. If Marshawn Lynch, for some reason, finds himself not on the field, I I think I will be very happy with what DeAndre Washington can do. At least, I'm hoping. Um, Round 13... Kenny Galladay, happy with that pick. Uh, A lot of upside there. Productive in college, productive as a runner, a return man uh, at, I believe, North Dakota before he transferred to Northern Illinois. Uh, 
Uh, he was his team's leading receiver. So he's been a productive player in college for three years. He's older, but he did break out at a pretty young age. So very happy to get Kenny Galladay. I think he has the ability to be the main receiver on that team this year. Maybe not right away, but later in the season, and that's what I'm looking for. Uh, at round 14 and in round 15, I took uh, kicker and defense. I was auto-drafted. I was planning at that point to go uh, quarterback. I waited the longest on quarterback out of anyone, and uh, I was doing another draft, so I missed the notification uh, that I was on the clock, so I was auto-drafted. So, uh, auto-drafted Dustin Hopkins, and, uh, I mean, not horrible. The guy attempted a lot of long field goals last year, so, you know, that might count for something. And uh, the Bengals' defense, which, you know, like, I don't sure, whatever. I'm probably going to be streaming defenses quite a bit anyway, so yeah, I'm not really, you know, focused on them. Uh, and then in the 16th round, with the last pick that I had, pick 215, I took Carson Palmer, uh, Super happy to get Carson Palmer at that spot. Uh, Palmer, obviously 2015 was a banner year for him. He hit career highs in a number of metrics. Um, 2016, not so great. But in the second half of the season, he did rebound a little bit. And I think in part he was impacted by uh, the inadequacies of the distracted Michael Floyd, who's no longer with the team, the issues with John Brown. So that might be something to pop up. But uh, I think with JJ Nelson emerging, and uh, I should say I was disappointed not to get JJ Nelson. Uh, I potentially would have taken him in round 13, but uh, he went uh, to Jay from the defending champion Raz Ball uh, a few picks ahead of me. But uh, happy to get Carson Palmer. I think this will be a year in which he rebounds from the way too much uh, negative regression that he had in 2016. So, uh, yeah, happy with Palmer as my quarterback. And uh, at the same time, it wouldn't be surprising if I ended up streaming some other quarterbacks uh, throughout the the, uh, the season just based on matchups and uh, based on Palmer's uh, effectiveness. But if Palmer is able to uh, to be something close to a average of 2015 and 16, I think I will be happy with him and will be using him for the most part. So uh, yeah, those are the thoughts I have on my team, the Oracle's audibles. Uh, I have no idea how this team's going to do, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how the draft went, uh, especially, you know, 14 team league. I thought some of the people drafting were, uh, were pretty sharp. So, uh, yeah, thought I ended up with an okay team and, you know, I will keep you guys abreast of the situation and we'll see how it goes. I'll check in later in the season and, uh, let you know that I'm, you know, getting crushed by everyone who's so much better than me, but that's going to do it for this episode of road of his radio. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the podcast by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 20% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash radio.
right now at T-Mobile. Get an awesome iPhone XR on us when you bring your family over and trade in your old device. Because whether you have mom, dad, or a friend on your mind, it's a gift so bold and brilliant, you'll want to keep it for yourself. Most importantly, it's on us in six vibrant colors. Plus, with unlimited everything from T-Mobile, the awesome iPhone XR will have everyone snapping, streaming, and sharing to their heart's content all year long. But don't wait. It's only for a limited time. So visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE and get iPhone XR on us. If congested, customers using more than 50 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization. Video at 480p via 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers plus tax. Qualifying trade-in, port-in, service, and finance agreement required. Contact us before canceling our credit stop and remaining balance due. 64 gigs, zero down, plus 3125 per month for 24 months. Pre-credit price, 749 0% APR. One offer per account. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.